Well, welcome to Sunday night. I uh, just want to say greetings to all of the podcast listeners as well. We've got folks listening from all over the country, and even though we're up here in the backwoods of Colorado, up in Woodland Park, up the hill, around the corner, through the woods, we've got folks listening from all over. So just greetings to you guys. I always really believe that whoever is listening, whether you're here in person or you're here uh, virtually, that it's a divine appointment. And that God has something specific and he's called you to be here or be listening to this message for a specific reason. So I'm just going to agree right now in Jesus' name with the Father's agenda uh, tonight. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you've got something specific in mind for every single person. You know them not only by name, you know everything about them. You know the number of hairs that are on their head. You know every freckle. (laughs) You know every day that they have lived up until this point, and you know uh, their future. Father, you know the thoughts that they are thinking before they even think them. You know the words they're going to speak before they speak them. You know their uprising and their downsitting. You know everything about them. And one of my favorite things, Lord, is that you understand us. You also understand each and every person, Lord. You understand why they are the way they are, and you understand how to help them perfectly. You understand why you created them. You understand everything. You are the spirit of understanding. And so we just want to acknowledge the intimacy that we have with you because the way you know us. (laughs) And I thank you, Lord, that that same kind of intimacy is available to us to know you. Thank you that you are wanting to be understood by us, that you want us to understand your ways and that you want us to understand your heart and your feelings and you are not holding back from us. I thank you that we live inside of you and we have the mind of Christ. And so we can experience you and get to know you. And that's why Paul prayed uh, that the church of Ephesus might be granted a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. And so I just release that over us tonight. I just release the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of God. And Lord, I thank you that you're taking us deeper in this season. I thank you that you're taking us deeper than we've ever gone before, Lord. You have, we've got on our scuba gear and we are going down into the depths, the depths, the depths, the depths, the depths of your heart, the depths of your goodness, the depths that maybe it's unexplored territory even. Maybe you've called us to just go deeper than we ever thought possible. And so, Lord, we've answered the cry of your heart to go deep. And uh, we thank you, Father, that you are our source on this journey. And that you have wonderful surprises for us, things that uh, you're going to unveil, things that you're going to reveal. And, Lord, I thank you that it's, it's exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think that it is just beyond our highest hopes, our highest dreams, our wildest imaginations. Uh, Father, I thank you that it's, 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 a, it's just beyond our real comprehension to be able to even comprehend. And so we, um, we just say yes to all of that. I bless every listener, Father, with your, just your manifest presence right now, Lord. I just pray that it would surround them 
I just pray that they would experience right now your touch. Lord, if there is healing that's needed, Lord, I pray that they would just, the whole time we're, we're, we're just talking tonight, Lord, I pray that just your power to heal would be present and working in them, Lord. Father, if there's peace that's needed, if there's uh, just whatever they need, Father, answers to questions, Lord, you know exactly what their needs are, Father. But I thank you that what they need is here tonight in this podcast, in this, in this time together live, Father, that, that it's in the atmosphere. And so we just release our faith, faith for it, and we take it, we grab it, and we thank you for it in advance, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, this is an exciting time to be alive. Uh, Why, you say? Why is this an exciting time to be alive? Well, it's an exciting time to be alive because Jesus is on the move. He's doing something in the planet right now. And whether you're awake to what Jesus is doing or you've been, been asleep to what Jesus is doing doesn't change the fact that Jesus is on the move. But... Here's the good news is that we don't have to be asleep to what Jesus is doing. And that if you're listening to this right now, I really believe that you have a very strategic part to play in what Jesus is doing on the earth right now. You know, one of the things that I specifically am called to do to the body of Christ is is to wake them up. Wake them up to the reality of the kingdom of God that is inside them that is all around them, and to the move of God that is happening and that God wants to use them to be a part of. And one of the things that's interesting about being asleep, you know, is that you don't know you're asleep, right? Um, It's kind of like being deceived, you know? If you're deceived, you don't know you're you're deceived. You know, when when you're, you think about it, when you lay down at night, once you fall asleep, you can't really, you know, and you're dreaming, you, you don't, you can't really, you don't, until you wake up, you're like, oh, I was sleeping, right? And the Bible is full of people that until they had a, an encounter with God, they were asleep. You know, the Apostle Paul is probably one of the best examples of someone who was asleep and had this encounter with God that, that woke him up to who Jesus was, and not only that, but woke him up to his purpose in life. And I believe that everyone on the planet needs to have that kind of encounter with Jesus. They need to have the kind of encounter that Paul had on the road to Damascus, where they recognize that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is absolutely the Lord Overall, he's the king of kings, and he is the savior, he is the deliverer, he is the redeemer, he is the provider, he is the all in all, he's the alpha, he's the omega, he is he is the first and the last, he holds the keys of hell and death, he is he is it, amen, that Jesus is who he says he is. And what and then you know, after you wake up to that, it's it, the next thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna wake up to who you are. And you're going to recognize that you were born for a reason, that you are not on the planet just to take up space, that you, you, uh, no matter what your life has been like up to this point, uh, no matter what is going on in your life up until the point when you have that encounter with Jesus and he reveals who he is, honestly, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that it's, it's a part 
of what God will use. That it's a, he will weave that into your purpose. In Paul's case, we know the story, right? He was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was a persecutor of Christians, right? So he was actually persecuting Christians to the point that he would, he was approving of the murder of Christians. Now, I, you know, that sounds like a guy that was far off the purpose that God had planned for him, right? I doubt that any of us are that far off. We're probably not approving of the murder of God's, of God's people, right? And so my point is, is it doesn't really matter how clueless you are until you actually had this encounter with Jesus and you begin to, un, to recognize that you have a purpose. What matters is, is that you recognize you have a purpose. And I want you to take what I'm saying tonight as a wake-up call, that this is a wake-up call for you, that you have a purpose. You have a specific purpose. You have a reason that you are on the planet. And it, whether you know it or not, whether you've recognized it or not, whether you can articulate it or not, uh, whether, honestly, if you believe me or not, you have a purpose. You have a specific reason. There is only one of you for a reason. No one has your fingerprints for a reason. You are a unique expression of the glory of God. You have something hidden inside of you, maybe from you still, <laughs> that is so glorious that it's almost hard to believe that it's you. Matter, as, as a matter of fact, all throughout scripture, there's all kinds of examples where God would come to people and tell them who they were, and, and they, they kind of really wouldn't believe it, right? I mean, when God came to Gideon, right, he's hiding under a tree. He was the poorest of all of the tribes in Israel, right? He was an, un, can you say, unlikely hero. He was an unlikely hero. Right? He was not, doesn't look like he would be the chosen one. But God came, well, the angel came from, from God and called him a mighty man of valor. And, you know, and, and Gideon was just kind of like, who, me, right? Probably looking around, see, see who the angel was talking to, right? And so the point is, is that it's okay if you're having trouble connecting or thinking like this is this is who God has created me to be because it is phenomenal see your potential is Christ in you your potential is not human <laughs> your potential well it's human in the fact that it's Christ and it's Jesus but it's more than human it's 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 superhuman <laughs> it's supernatural and God wants you to discover who you are you know, there's an awesome thing that um, in Galatians, in the first chapter of Galatians, you know, Paul begins this letter by describing his call. Now, this is not Saul. This is after he's accepted who God has called him to be. He, 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 has, he has gotten into agreement with God's purpose. But it also talks about his process in doing that. He starts out his letter in chapter 1, and he says, my name is Paul. So first of all, God changed his name, and he said, okay, I'm not going to be Saul. I'm going to be Paul. So he changed his name. I mean, he did the same thing to Peter, right? He did the same thing to Abram or Abraham. So don't be surprised if God calls you something in heaven different than your parents called you. Right? Your name is a, is a divine 
or divinely orchestrated thing given by God. And if your parents missed it, well, that's all right. God doesn't have a problem renaming you. So Paul, he says, here I am. My name is Paul. That's a huge thing to say my name. I am who God says I am. I'm in agreement with who God says I am. Now, let me say, let's just stop for a moment and think about what an incredible thing this is because Saul literally was a Christian killer, right? I mean, I mean, so he had to come to terms with his past to get in agreement with God. Talk about someone who probably didn't feel qualified. Talk about someone who probably had some hang-ups and, and felt like a hypocrite. Like, who am I to be an apostle when I was actually a terrorist against the church? But here he is, boldly and loudly. My name is Paul. Then he says, and I have been commissioned as an apostle of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And he says, you need to, this is in the Passion Translation, which I love. It says, you need to know that my apostolic authority was not granted to me by any council of men. For I was appointed by Jesus, the anointed one, and God, the father who raised him from the dead. Now, dude, this guy is confident. He's flat out saying, I have apostolic authority that came from Jesus Christ, who was crucified, by the way, by this time, and had ascended, so no one could go and actually verify physically with Jesus that this happened, right? And with God the Father, right? A lot of people might think that just sounds like arrogance. Well, I'm sorry, like, you know, who, what what Bible college did you go to? Right now, um, what what ministry team laid hands on you and released you, Paul? Right? I'm I, I'm sorry. Where did you come from? You're that terrorist that was right. I mean, it's it's a it's a bold statement. I mean, we've become so familiar with the Bible sometimes that we don't realize how shocking this is, right? And so I'm going to skip up a little bit because. I want to go back to another verse here that um, talks more about Paul's journey here. Okay, it says this. He's really bold. (laughs) In verse 11, it says, Beloved ones, let me say emphatically that the gospel entrusted to me was not given by any man. No one taught me this revelation For it was given to me directly by the unveiling of Jesus, the anointed one, before my eyes. He says, by now you have heard stories of how I severely, of how severely I harassed and persecuted Christians and did my best to systematically destroy God's church, all because of my radical devotion to preserve the traditions of the Jewish religion. Verse 14, my zeal and passion for the doctrines of Judaism distinguished me among my people. For I was far more advanced in my religious instruction than others my age. It says verse 15, but something happened. Say something happened. God called me by his grace and in love 
and he chose me from my birth to be his. Now, this is really interesting. There's so much theological stuff just in that one sentence that will mess with your head if you stop and think about it for a minute. Because wait a second, how did he get chosen from his birth, but he didn't choose God until the road to Damascus? Like, wait a second, you know, there's a whole bunch of things you could kind of scratch your head about over that. But I'm going to keep going. It says in verse 16, it says, God's grace, listen to this, unveiled his son in me. God's grace unveiled his son in me so that I would proclaim the message of sonship to the non-Jewish people of the world. Now, I'm going to just, that right there is Paul's, what I call his why statement. It is his purpose statement. It's his life purpose statement. Okay, it's Jesus unveiled his son within me for a reason, for a purpose, that I might proclaim the message of sonship to the non-Jewish people of the world. So that's interesting. It, it says what he is called to do, his message. He's got a specific message, the message of sonship. And it also unveils who he's called to do it, who he's called to speak to. So a very specific purpose statement. Look, can you? We all agree Paul was clear of his life purpose. He was clear of the reason why he was born. And then he goes on to say, after I had this encounter, I kept it a secret. For some time, sharing it with no one. And I chose not to run to Jerusalem to try to impress those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went away into the Arabian desert for a season until I returned to Damascus where I had first encountered Jesus. It says, I remained there for three years until I eventually went up to Jerusalem and met the apostle Peter and stayed with him for a couple of weeks so I could get to know him better. The only other apostle I met during that time was James, the Lord's brother. Everything I'm describing to you, I confess before God, is the absolute truth. After my stay in Jerusalem, I went to Syria and to southeast Turkey, but remained unknown to the Jewish believers in Judea. The only thing they heard about me was this, our former enemy, who once brutally persecuted us, is now preaching the good news of the faith that he was once obsessed with destroying. Now listen to this in verse 24. It's very powerful. It says, because of the transformation that took place in my life, they praised God even more. Let me say that again. Because of the transformation that took place in my life, They praised God even more. Now, I'm sharing this story with you tonight, this true story about the Apostle Paul, because in it is your story. Now, your story may not be exactly, obviously, the same story, right? But the point is, at at, at some point, you were completely awake, I mean, asleep, to who Jesus really was. Right? And, and I don't know everybody, 
here tonight. I think I know everyone here that's here tonight. I sure don't know everyone that's listening to the podcast because they listen from everywhere. But you may still be asleep. You may still not really know who Jesus is. See, the, the thing about finding you, if you want to know who you are, the very first step is to know who Jesus is. I call it the identity cycle. You know, it, the best, one another place that it's really, really clear is in Matthew 17. And I'm not going to go through the whole story and read it and all of that, but I, it, you know the story. It's, it's the story where Jesus asked his disciples, who do, who do you say, who do men say that I am? You know, and they throw some guesses out, you know, you're Jeremiah, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets, right? And so people are saying that Jesus is some dead guy, right? And just people, people are confused about who Jesus is. Even in the church, people are confused about who Jesus is. And then he says, okay, well, who do you say that I am? And Simon, you know, he was always bold, kind of putting his foot in his mouth. You can relate to that. And he says, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says this to Simon. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which, was in, which is in heaven. And then, he, then right at that moment, he says, and thou art Peter. So Peter getting a revelation of who Jesus is was the key that unlocked the door to him hearing from Jesus who he was. And the same thing happened in Paul's life, right? He's on the road. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I always wonder, was that like an audible voice out of the heaven? Or, you know, was it just a scream, God, you know, Jesus screaming at him in his head or whatever? And he's like, who is this? Right? And he says, Jesus Christ, whom you're persecuting. Right? Then the light comes so bright, it blinds him. And he, and, you know, he has this incredible encounter with God. He's got to go to, you know, we could read through it. But the point is, is that through that encounter, the light woke him up. The light woke him up. He was asleep and the light woke him up which light is supposed to do. And from that day, day forward, he would describe it as a heavenly vision. He said, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so the Apostle Paul was transformed into who God called him to be since his birth. Even though Paul was asleep to what he was called to be. He was still called from his birth. And so were you. This is not like something like God's up there thinking, hmm, what am I going to have, you know, Paula do? Or what am I going to have Joe do? No, he, he's got a specific plan. And he thought of this before he thought of you. You were created for a purpose. And the thing I really felt like the Lord was highlighting about, about this tonight is your past doesn't disqualify you for the purpose of God for your life. Your past does not disqualify you. And I, I'm talking about every day up until this day. Your past is not what qualifies you. Matter of fact, 
you probably aren't qualified. Nor will you ever be qualified in and of yourself. Because it's not about you being qualified. It's about Jesus Christ being revealed through you. It's about the Son of God being revealed through you for a purpose, just like the Son of God was revealed through Paul for a purpose. It's about you being transfigured, like Matthew chapter that right after that, right, that, that whole conversation Peter and Jesus had in Matthew 17 was right before the Mount of Transfiguration. And so, but the, the transfiguration is about what is, you know, Jesus is on this mount where the glory that was hidden inside of him becomes manifest. And what was invisible became visible. And that's what this transformation is all about. The transformation that took place in Paul's life wasn't about Paul becoming qualified. It was about Paul being transfigured. Matter of fact, the same word that is translated transformed in the New Testament, in Romans 12 too, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That same root word, metamorphia, that is, that is Greek, that is translated into transformed, is also the word that is translated into transfigured on the Mount of Transfigured. So we could say, because of the transfiguration that took place in my life, they praise God even more. So it's not about you and I becoming something we're not. It's about you and I being transfigured. So that Jesus is revealed through your life. Now, I'm going to go over to Philippians uh, chapter 3, and I may read it in a couple of different translations. I love Philippians chapter 3. Uh, but this is also the Apostle Paul, another one of his letters, and he's talking about... Oh, wait a minute. i got to find where I'm going. Okay, yeah, that's right. Philippians chapter 3. I want to start... This is also from the Apostle Paul, and he's really talking about this transformation. He's talking about what has happened in his life and how he went from Saul, the terrorist, who was persecuting Christians, to Paul, the apostle, who the Son of God was unveiled in so that he might preach the message of sonship to the Gentiles, the Paul that that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, what the heck happened to this man? Right? Here's what it says. Verse 4. Well, let me, let me start a little earlier. In, in verse 3, towards the end, it says, We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done, and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all I had, I had become. I had a reason to boast. Okay, it says, it's true, I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments, more than others. 
For my pedigree was impeccable. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth, and I was raised in a strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the messianic believers with a religious zeal. Yet, all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, another way we could say that, all of the accomplishments that should have qualified me, I've now forsaken them and regarded all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past. I'm going to say this again. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past. And throwing all my boasting and all that I thought made me better than others on the garbage heap. Okay, so the first thing that's going on here with the Apostle Paul here, and it is realizing nothing in myself qualifies me for my purpose. And my past, I've got to let it go. I've got to let go of this identity. Let me say this. Of this identity that the past created in me. Our past creates an identity. It it, it creates who we believe we are. The things that we've experienced, the things that we've gone through, the trauma, the good, the bad, the achievements, the college degree, where we grew up, our parents, our heritage, the culture, the color of our skin, uh, all of these things. We, 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 we boil all this into a mixing pot that, that comes up with an identity of who we think we are. And in Paul's case, it's a little hard to relate because, you know, I mean... For most of us in, in American culture, we aren't friends with ultra-orthodox Jewish people that live an ultra-orthodox Jewish life. I mean, my first job out of college, I actually worked with a, for a Jewish accounting firm. And so I do have some exposure to what um, the orthodox Jewish religion is like. But it is a little bit difficult here. You know, I mean, all of these things that qualified Paul and gave him an identity Right? He says, this is the way they say it in the Passion Translation, they said that he had to throw it on the garbage heap. Others say that I counted it all as dung. Right? I mean, your identity from all of your past is not who you are. It's not what makes you you. You know, and, and this is why, you know, in today's political environment with identity politics and just different things, that, you know, and it's not just identity politics. I mean, you can, if you're in high school, you know, everybody remember high school? Has it been too long that nobody can remember? But, you know, I mean, there was always the groups, right? There were the jocks and the, uh, you know, the band and, right, the partiers and just the different groups, right, in high school. Why? You were identifying with something, Right? 
And Paul's saying here that he's forsaking all, forsaking all of that. And it says to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past. And here's what he says. It's all like a pile of manure to me now. So that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embracing him as Lord in all of his greatness. So if we go back to this exchange, for example, between Peter and Jesus, you know, this isn't meant to be a one-time thou art Christ, the son of the living God. That's supposed to be the beginning of the conversation. Who Who am I? That's the beginning of it. You know, when I prayed tonight, I prayed the, the, the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed from Ephesians chapter 1 that says, that he says that may the Lord uh, God, the Father, grant unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Right? So there is th- this knowing God, this knowing God became Paul's obsession. And it's what he traded his past and his former identity for. He says, I compare all of this stuff, mess, manure, junk. And in the Amplified Translation, it says, compared to the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ. Here's what it says. I love the way it says it. In verse 8, it says, Furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. It says, for his sake... I've lost everything, and I consider it to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. So there's this transformation that's going on here, guys. He is literally releasing his past. He's releasing his false identity and this identity that was built up in his own accomplishments and his own, uh, whatever, earthly qualifications or religious qualifications or whatever you want to call them. And he's saying, I'm just, I'm just losing all of that. I'm letting go of all of that. But he doesn't, it's not a loss because he's calling it manure. I mean, to me, it's more like you're getting clean. You're getting free of it. Like who wants to stink? Who wants to be carrying around trash and garbage? You know, and so it's not like, oh, I'm letting go of my past. Oh, I'm letting go of who I really want to be. I'm sacrificing myself for Jesus. You know, it's not that. It's no, it, it, it's, it's this, you're caught up in the glory. You're, you're, this is pr- a priceless pr- privilege. This is the supreme advantage. This is, this is goodness personified. And goodness isn't even a word that does it justice. I mean, this glory is goodness, but we, we think pizza's good. So it just sounds cheap. No, this is, this is pleasure at his right hand forevermore. This is fullness of joy. 
This is ecstasy. This is bliss. This is, this is the, the atmosphere of euphoria. This is the most high. This is indescribable glory. Full of joy. This is indescribable goodness. This is, it's beyond our ability to truly even comprehend. I mean, the, the words that the Amplified uses, I feel, are wonderful. It's a priceless privilege, an overwhelming preciousness, a surpassing worth, a supreme advantage. You know, I've been, um, uh, this is totally a, a rabbit trail, but just the power of words, right? Um, I've been looking up some words recently, and I, I looked up one the other day, and it's kind of a word we use all the time, and the word is fabulous, but I looked it up, and I wanted to, to and this makes me think of Jesus. This word just, and we would never think, oh, Jesus is fabulous. It almost sounds like, what does that mean? But listen to what word fabulous means. Tremendous, stupendous, phenomenal, remarkable, exceptional, astounding, amazing, fantastic, breathtaking, incredible, mind-boggling, mind-blowing, jaw-dropping. Like those are some adjectives you can sink your teeth into. This is what this is what Paul is talking about here. I mean, he is talking about trash compared to fabulous. And this transformation, sometimes we think, oh God, oh, so painful. I'm just, you know, I'm suffering. So, you know, the reason why we think that is because we're focused on the past. We're focused on the pain. We're focused on what the loss is. We're focused on the manure. We're focused on the stinky stuff. Rather than focused on, on the glory of knowing him. And so <laughs> he says, he can't, you know, it's just a powerful thing that, that Paul, this, this transformation he's going through. Then he says this in verse 9, and this is so powerful. He says, my passion is to be consumed with him. And not cling to my own righteousness. Now, I like to just say this. My, just say this, my own identity, Right? My own identity or my own righteousness, my own qualifications, my own whatever you want to call it that makes me fit for my divine purpose. No. He says, my passion is to be consumed with him. He says, my righteousness will be his based on the faith of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness of God. And it says, and by his faith, I will experience oneness with Jesus and the explosive power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with his sufferings. I will be one with him in his death. And only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him and his resurrection from the realm of death. And so this transformation that Paul is describing here, let's, let's get this, it's the losing of himself to experience oneness with Jesus. It's the losing of his identity that came from his past, that came from his upbringing, that came from his pedigree and his knowledge of the Torah and all of these, you know, and we could say the same thing for us. 
right? It's, it's whatever the things that, that we think are our identity that make us us. And so this transformation, this transfiguration, this revealing of the son in Paul so that he might preach the message of sonship to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish world. And he said, this transformation took place in me. There was a transformation. He went from the dude on the road of Damascus who was asleep to his purpose, to who Jesus was, to, this, the, to the idea that he was anyone except Saul. And he went from that person, Saul, into a transformation into Paul, who was one with Christ. And his passion was to be consumed with this new identity, with this new righteousness, with this new person, this new creation, who was called Paul. And for the most part, we are... I don't want to say this. I don't know how to say it because we have, we have a war. We have an identity crisis. And we're all on the spectrum of this somewhere. Some people have just not awakened. Some people just are still asleep. And I love the way uh, it says in um, Galatians when Paul says, it, when it pleased God to reveal his son in me. Right, So there are people, there are souls still running around. Now, here's the problem. The church has such problem with the souls of the world. You know, it's like us and them. But, but God doesn't have a problem with the souls. He's just yet to reveal his son in them. They just have yet to wake, to, to, to wake up. They haven't had their road to Damascus experience yet. Right? So there's souls, there's people that are still just running around without a clue about who Jesus is. Maybe they hate Christians, maybe they persecute in the church, maybe they're, maybe they're part of ISIS. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're atheists, maybe they're agnostic, maybe, who knows what, what, what they're doing, right? They're just asleep, running around, doing whatever you do before you know who Jesus is. And by his grace, it says by his grace and in his love, he revealed his son in me. And chose me from birth. So what does this mean about all these souls that are running around? Were they chosen for the cross? Were they chosen by God? Are they left out? Are they excluded? No, they're just asleep. They're asleep. I remember what it being asleep. Why? Because I hadn't met Jesus. Oh, I'd met religion. Oh, I grew up in church. I'd heard the gospel. Well, I didn't, didn't seem like very good news, but I, I'd heard the message that people call the gospel, that if I didn't believe in Jesus, I was going to hell, which is fear and manipulation. But I was too young to know it, so I just did it because that's what, I didn't want to go to hell. God was really scary. Uh, It's kind of weird, like you don't want to go to hell, but you don't know what to do with this guy who's threatening you, who's threatening you. But if you don't believe in me, you're going to hell. And I'm not, the point is, is that that is not the best introduction to this wonderful, glorious person who is love, who is, I mean, how do you describe this person that, that, that Paul became consumed with? The surpa- fantastic. 
mind-boggling, mind-blowing, all these adjectives, right? I mean, it's like taking, I mean, as a tenor to be like, we're taking you to the circus, to Disneyland. We're taking you to, to the best Santa. You're going to go see Santa, the Easter, but you're going to go see all of these people wrapped up into one person. You want to go? The best person you've ever met. And it still doesn't do it justice. Totally a different introduction. But the point is they're Saul's. For whatever reason, have not yet to meet Jesus for themselves. To hear his voice for themselves. To really experience him. Know him. Know him. Know him. Not know about him. Know him. There is no other way to get into your purpose and to get into this transfigured life, into this transformed, amazing purpose that God has for you without knowing him. And the first place is, who do you think that I am? Who am I? Well, you're a scary person who sends people to hell. That would have been my answer for a long time. If I was honest. I mean, it took me almost 25 years just to say, I'm not going to believe out of God in a fear anymore. I said, I'm just going to let him, if he's big enough to reveal himself to me, he'll do it, I guess. But this is stupid. I don't even know what I believe. I've been afraid to not to believe. And give myself permission just to be like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Like, this is a stupid, this is stupid. And that's when I actually went on the journey to get to know him for myself. He's knowable, right? And so Paul here says he's consumed with him. Consumed. Consumed. In the Amplified, it says this. I love it. For my determined purpose is that I might know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And this knowing, it's an intimate, it's, it's the, the Greek is gnosko. This, in, this word gnosko, it's not you, it's not I heard about you, like I know Oprah, right? Or I know the president or I know these famous people. No, it's, it's an intimate knowing. Matter of fact, it's a word that's used as a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse, for married couples, I mean, this is at the most intimate type of knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. And this kind of knowledge is what transformed Paul. It wasn't religious second-hand teaching. He had that his whole life. He had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus. And, and we should have an expectation to encounter Jesus. This is normal. This is not just for the Catherine Coleman's and the Smith Wigglesworths and the Charles Finney's and the, the people that go on to do these extraordinary things with their lives because they have these incredible encounters with Jesus. No, incredible encounters with Jesus are for everyone that is living inside of Jesus. They are for everyone that, that Christ lives in. You are the body of Christ. I, I, I mean, the body has a head. You are one with God. 
You are one with God. You are one with Jesus Christ. You are one with God Almighty. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You are one with him. You have his mind because you live and move and have your being in him. You are, you are abiding in the vine. You are not separate. You are one. And an encounter with him is as simple. It's so simple that God, that God, the children can do it. Matter of fact, children do it better because they haven't been taught all of a whole bunch of nonsense about it. You know, I just, it's as simple as an imagination. It's as simple as a, as a thought. It's a, it's a simple thing to encounter the Lord. And yes, it takes faith. You have to believe that this is God. You have to believe that God wants to speak to you. But knowing him is not a theory. And the Bible, as powerful as God's word is, is designed to lead you into an encounter with its author. It's a, it's a supernatural book. It's a, it's a book that was God-breathed, and its words are alive. Its words are alive, and they're, meant, they're, they're bathed in revelation so that when, you're, when you are engaging with the word of God, the Holy Spirit is engaging with you. The spirit of revelation is engaging with you so that you are getting something from this book that is rhema, that is breathed, that is God-inspired. It is, it is a, a breathed word of God. And the reason that we study the Bible, the reason that we study the historical context of the Bible, and the reason that we have a good hermeneutic, and the, good, the reason that we go deep into theology, and the reason that we do those things is for one reason, to know God. It is not to have knowledge that puffs up so that we have all of this know all this scripture, but don't know the person that it's actually about. And it's a little bit of a side note, because what I really felt like the Lord was wanting me to focus on tonight was this, this, this past. See, our past, it haunts us. It haunts all of us. You know, we've been through things. We've done things. We have regrets. Uh, we opened our mouth and we shouldn't have. We, 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 we made mistakes. We, we acted out of foolishness. We, we didn't know what we didn't know. <laughs> you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> that was a painful lesson that we learned the hard way. I mean, you know, we all have a past. Some of us, you know, are maybe have a more notorious sinner kind of past than others. Some of us have more like Paul, an elder brother, more elder brother past than, than, than others. But we all have a past. And we all have to come to the place where Paul came in verse 12. And if you keep reading this, he's still dealing with this past. He's like, I'm letting it go, I'm letting it go. But in verse 12, he says... I admit I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness of what I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the destiny that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past. And I fasten my heart to the future instead. 
you know, I talked about people in this various stages, you know, there's the Saul's and I kind of went off on a tangent with that, but you know, there's the Saul's that are still asleep. Then those, there's those of us that have been, you know, have been awakened. So we, we've met Jesus. We know Jesus. We have experiences with Jesus. We've encountered Jesus. We've learned to know him for ourselves, you know, but then there's some of us that are in kind of this Paul season, right? Where he didn't share, he was in this transition phase, right? And he's, he's becoming an apostle. He's kind of detoxing from his past. He's, he's, he's letting go of all these things that were, and he, he kind of went alone into this alone season and this, this season where he was getting established as Paul, right? He's, he's beginning to preach the gospel, but he's not He's not in the fullness of this, right? And then in Philippians, he says, you know, that he, he's just letting go of all this stuff. And he hasn't attained it yet, but he's just continuing. His focus, it says, his compelling focus is to forget the past and fasten his heart on the future. It says, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. He's, and I love the way it says this. It says, I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the destiny that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I mean, Paul was a passionate man that was on a journey to fulfill his destiny. And he was determined to know God. He was determined to focus on the future, not on the past. You know, I I listen to a lot of, you know, I do a lot of executive coaching and I I pretty much help people discover their purpose and then overcome everything that's in their path to fulfill their destiny, to just release their full potential in Christ. I mean, that's why I have Emerge School of Transformation. That's why I just wrote the book, The Path. It'll be released in April. Everything that I'm about is about helping transfigure the body of Christ so that the Christ in you can be seen through you and that you astound the world with the anointing of Jesus that's inside of you because your potential is phenomenal. And so in the process of doing that on a week-in, a week-out basis, you know, I get an, I have my own personal coaches that are always pushing me and, and, and helping me deal with whatever I got to deal with, my past and all this rubbish and the manure that tries to creep up on me and a f- the false identity that tries to say, I'm still here, I'm still alive. And you say, no, 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 you're crucified. You're, get back down, you know, get, off, get back on the cross, old man, right? You're too old to be up and about, right? You're so old, you're dead, Right? But the point is, is that I, I get a chance to just hear some phenomenal things. And um, one of the people that I really admire a lot is a, a coach that uh, coaches Olympic ath- elite athletes. Uh, this guy just had 16 athletes in the Olympics. And he talks about this thing called the, the wow brain and the owl brain. And the wow brain, by the way, is this brain that the Apostle Paul is describing right here. It's the brain that forgets the things that lie behind. It's the one that's not focused on the past. It's focused on the future, right? It's, it's the one that is letting go of the, of the, of the old and the past and, and pressing into their, to the, his, their true identity, their true potential, their union with God, right? And the way that, that this particular coach describes it is he says, if you've got two people that are, that are, 
that are going to climb a summit. And I like to think of this summit as like your destiny. Two people on the way to their destiny. But you're climbing, it's a physical mountain. So you're climbing the mountain. Well, the person with an, with a, with an owl brain, right, this is a person who has got a victim mentality. They aren't forgetting their past. They're stuck in their past, right? They, you know, blame others for their lot in life, have not, aren't walking in forgiveness. Uh, they, they're just, they're stuck some, somewhere along the way. And these people, when they're on the journey, right, maybe they get halfway out. And the, what they do is they look to the top and see how far they've got to go and think, oh, my gosh, look how far that is. Then they look around and see how far they've come, and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's all I've done. Oh, I might as well just quit right now, right? Just get discouraged because... All they can see is the impossibility of what God has called them to. It's kind of like the Israelites and the grasshopper syndrome, right? They just see themselves as grasshoppers, and they just can't, can't muster it up. But the owl brain, I'm sorry, the wow brain does just the opposite, right? Instead of looking up at the, at the summit and thinking, oh, gosh, we're never going to make it, right? And looking behind them and thinking, oh, I haven't come that far. You know, they have a completely different perspective. They're going to look at their past and be like, look at what God has done in my life. He, look what he has, look at the transformation he's already accomplished. This is incredible. I may not be, you know, at the summit yet, but I'm unrecognizable from where I started. <laughs> you know, and I figure, hey, faithful is he that calls me. He'll also do it. He's going to finish the good work he began in me. And so you get encouraged. You get encouraged by the trans- transformational journey you've been on. And you know that you can make it. But the, that mindset is what makes all the difference. And so Paul's focus here. I mean, this is an insight into Paul's mind and the process he went through that enabled him to finish his course and be obedient to the heavenly vision. Because here's the thing. I started out by saying everyone in here has an incredible purpose. And there's only one way to find it out. And it's with a conversation with the one who actually created it. I can't tell you your purpose. I might be able to prophesy some clues over you. And, you know, I met, I meet with people all the time who have a dream. And I know as much as I'm sitting there that that is absolutely God's purpose for their life. God is not a tease. God doesn't give dreams to people and then, like, just to... People don't realize that God is the, he's the, he's the dream giver. he's the author of dreams. I mean, it says that a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Our desires are God-given. He leads and motivates people with desire, with passion. He is a powerful leader. He's a powerful motivator. He says the love of God constrains us, compels us. I mean, passion is a, I mean, if you've ever been in love, you know that's a motivator. 
Love is a powerful motivator. I mean, it gets the job done, not out of some slave mindset, guilt mindset. No, it's passion. You're, you're excited. You're happy. You're joy for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. There's a passion. There's something that compels you. You're out of your mind. You don't even know. You're just being driven by this force. It's called desire. It's called desire. I mean, Satan hijacks it because he knows how powerful it is. You know, and so I'll sit with people and they're just like, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Or how do you know that's God? It's because they have all of this theology around God about him being, you know, a God that wants you to suffer. You know, a God that wants, like suffering glorifies him. Well, Jesus suffered. Our, we've suff- our suffering when Paul says, I want to be conformed to his sufferings, he's not talking about, I want to experience the, the same kind of suffering Jesus did so I can experience what Jesus experienced. He's saying, no, I want to experience my union with God. I want to experience co-crucifixion with Jesus. I want to know what it means to be crucified with Christ, that I no longer live. I want to experience that crucifixion where I cease to exist apart from Christ. I want a fellowship in that suffering that by his stripes I'm healed. It's powerful. And I want a fellowship with his resurrection. In the the Amplified, it says it this way, that if possible, I might attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while I'm in the body. Now, this is insane. What Paul is saying is that he wants to so experience union and co-crucifixion and co-burial and co-resurrection that he can live a resurrected life while he's still in the body. Meaning, I can live a glorified life while still in the body. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that starts to make John G. Lake's ministry make sense. It makes sense that, that Paul here is saying, I can live a resurrected life. It makes sense. How could John G. Lake's saliva, if you've ever heard the story, right? He would go, he went into Africa, had a crazy healing ministry, and he wouldn't get, um, he wouldn't get inoculated from the plague. He'd just go into vi- in villages. The whole village would have the plague, and they'd be like, you're a crazy man. Like, how are you going into this village? You haven't had the vaccines. And, and John G. Lake was like, because this this." This disease, this plague cannot kill me. It can't even live on my body. If it touches me, it dies. And they they said they took some saliva, put it on a little microscopic plate, put some of the plague on his saliva, and the moment it touched his saliva, it died. Now, people think, oh, he's just got some super anointing. He doesn't have some super anointing. He had a super revelation. He had a super revelation of this right here. He had a a revelation of what it meant to fellowship, (laughs) to fellowship with Jesus and the cross and to fellowship with Jesus coming out of the grave and to fellowship with what Jesus experienced as him, as John. Jesus just didn't die for John. He died as John. And John got it. And that fellowship is your new identity. That 
that union, that pl- and that's what we're, we're forgetting what lies behind me, and we're forgetting the old man. It's a, it's a forgetting. We need to be forgetful about our past. We need to, I mean, think about how much things just bother us on a daily basis. You know, because we, 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 we've been through things. I know, and then you, you'll be reminded of it somehow. I don't know. Something will trigger something from your past, right? You'll see something on Facebook or run into something. or You know, I mean, we just our past will just get triggered like that. We'll just think, oh, you know, and we'll just get, ugh. But it's like, nope, 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 get back my continual focus. It's a, it's a discipline of the mind. It's, a, it's literally a mental game. That's why the Lord says in, I mean, Paul says in Romans 12 too, you beat, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, this is a new way of thinking. This transformation is about a new way of thinking. It's about a new, a new understanding that you get through knowing Jesus, through experiencing him. And why am I saying that? Because it is time. It is time for you. It is your time. You have been born on this planet in 2018 for a reason. And I don't know what's holding you up. I don't, but I can tell you right now, it's your past. Something in your past is holding you back. It has put something into your mindset that is keeping you from manifesting the fullness of who God has created you to be and what God has created you to do. And if Paul had to consider all that trash and consider all that, like your past, it's time to bring closure. We, it's time to get over it. And I get that getting over it is not always easy. Because you you know you say I want to get over it I'm, I'm not gonna think I'm not gonna think about it. I'm not gonna think about it. you know you 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 know I, I get that it's sometimes not that easy to do because there's pain attached to memories and 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 you don't know what to do with it you don't you don't it it, it you don't know what to do I get that but the Lord tonight I, I mean I really felt strongly you know forgiveness is a big key and it's something that we we know to do. We know it's right to do. But here's the thing. It doesn't feel good to do it. But it will release the person and the situation. And it's not just about forgiving other people. One of the biggest people you need to forgive is you. Because we erroneously have thought that somehow we're supposed to get qualified to do what we're called to do. And we're always messing up. We aren't living up to the standard of, you know, whatever we think that we're supposed to do or be. or And it's right. It's good. The law is good. The law is good. You being good... You know, seems like a good thing. But the good you got crucified too. It wasn't just the bad you. The good you got put on there too. Dink, 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 dink. You don't get to be good and you don't get to be bad apart from God. 
Your righteousness is of him. So your good stuff has to be, it's, it's trash too. It's manure too. You don't get to be a goody two-shoes and feel good about yourself. Okay, you got to put your goody two-shoes on the bonfire. You got to you got to throw the good stuff and the bad. You got to throw all that away. But the point is, when you when you have that goody two-shoes thing, or you think this, you mistakenly think that you, in and of yourself, are somehow going to reach some moral goodness. You constantly are letting yourself down because it is impossible. To fulfill the law in the flesh. You can't do it. You can't be perfect apart from Christ. If you could, why did he have to die? Surely there would have been a different Bible that was written. It would just be how to be perfect apart from Christ. The law would have been able to work. So it, it, the forgiving of yourself is, is honestly, in one sense, it's more of the same. In the sense that you're buying into the idea that you need to forgive yourself for not being good enough. It, it really is, in a sense, <laughs> not the gospel. However, your mind hasn't caught up with that. And so what ends up happening is you end up with a, a really toxic relationship with yourself. And so going through the process of forgiving yourself is a powerful exercise because the truth is you're already forgiven. So you might as well just go ahead and agree with God. And you weren't forgiven when you asked him to forgive you. You were forgiven when he died 2,000 years ago. You do not have a transactional relationship with God. That ebbs and flows based upon your behavior. You were placed in Christ. You were baptized into Christ. And frankly, you don't even have a nature of sin anymore. You, you, that's why it says in Romans 8 that the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed us from the law of sin and death. We don't live under that system, that transactional system anymore. But most of us still live in a relationship with ourselves in a transactional thing. And we relive in relationships with other people in a transactional way. And so we get offended, we forgive. We get offended, we forgive. We get offended, we forgive. We, we mess up, we forgive. I mean, and so we, that's a transactional system. But it's a powerful thing that, that we, we need to do because the, the reality of it is we're walking around in unforgiveness. We're walking around in unforgiveness with others, with ourselves. We get offended with God even. And again, we just do. And that's why forgiveness, forgive as you are forgiven, is the new covenant. We forgive because we're forgiven. And life happens. But why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because I, it is time to get the past where it belongs. Now, a lot of times we'll forgive. I'm just going to share little things because we do, we do some wonderful sessions here. They're called Rethink Sessions. And it's really a session to, 
It's a supernatural mind renewal session is what it is, where we walk people through getting their past behind them once and for all. And, you know, a lot of the work we do in these sessions is forgiveness, and that's why, you know, even tonight I'm thinking through that. But there's another piece of this that a lot of times we don't realize. There are, I just know for people that are listening tonight, I always know it's a divine appointment when people come or they, they, they're listening by the podcast. There are people that are listening to this tonight who there is one I don't feel like it's a ton, but there's at least one, maybe a couple, of things that they have been through in their life that has caused them sort of a handicap. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to people that have special needs, but I don't know how else to explain it. It's like it's handicapped you in, in, in your mind is what it's done. It has formed beliefs. You have, you have formed some beliefs as a result of what happened. So you form some beliefs about yourself. You form some beliefs about God. You form some beliefs about the church. You form some beliefs about the world. I mean, you name it. I mean, it, when we go through things, as a result of what happens, we make judgments. And those judgments have have handicapped you in a sense, meaning that you are not fully able to run towards your destiny and, and, and accelerate towards your destiny uh, as quickly and as, as fast as you would if that hadn't happened to you. The first thing I want to tell you about that is that the enemy was involved. And there is a reason why we are told that we do not war against flesh and blood. Even though it always seems like people are a problem and whatever we go through, people are never our problem. Jesus died for people. Heaven is full of people, (laughs) right? I mean, people are precious, no matter how messed up they are. And, and, and people get messed up. They don't just, they aren't born like that, guys. I mean, sometimes they are. Sometimes there's drug addicts that have babies, and they are literally born like that. And there's other times that people are born messed up. But for the most part, abusers are made. Whatever, whoever was involved in whatever happened, was influenced. And I'm saying this to say that there's more to the experience than what you've judged it to be. And when you're in pain and your story about whatever has happened, it's the only story you know because you've told yourself this for so long since it happened. It's how you coped with it. It's how you survived it. It's how you made sense of it. It's how you're able to go on. And it served a purpose because you're still here and you're still, you know, sometimes those stories shipwreck people's faith and they do leave it, leave the faith. But the point is that that's got to get unraveled. And it's, sometimes it's just as simple as just having a conversation with the Lord about it. It's sitting down and saying, Lord, what did I believe as a result of what happened? X, Y, and Z happened, 
what do I, what, what, are, what do I, what is, what is, what am I believing about this? What am I believing about myself? What am I believing about my destiny? What am I believing about this person? What am I believing? The point is, is that God wants to help you bring closure to that. And I'm sharing this tonight for a very specific reason, because it's like, to me, it's just, I can't keep hearing like the Lord has need of you. And if you will let him, if you'll invite him into these places and you're into these places, these wounded places, these places that have been hurt, these places that, um, you know, you were mistreated, you were offended, you were neglected, you were rejected, you were abused. Uh, There is a beautiful encounter that Jesus has for you in those places. He was with you in that place, and he wants to reshape, reform, reframe what you believed as a result of what happened, what you believed about yourself as a result of what happened. Because the places of our greatest pain are also the places of our greatest strength, and it is the place of our greatest deliverance It is the place where Jesus gets to be Savior. It's the place where he gets to be Redeemer. It's the place where he gets to be Restorer. It's the place where he gets to to, to heal. it It is literally where Jesus gets to be Jesus. And it is where you encounter aspects of who he is in ways that you wouldn't be able to experience if you didn't meet him in that way in that place. For me personally, because I've been, I mean, I've had to overcome a lot. By the power of grace, by the power of God, by the encounters. Countless, 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 countless encounters with Jesus. Encounters with his voice. Encounters with the Father. Hours in journaling. Hours in in. Holy Spirit-inspired imaginations. Take him taking me places that make no sense when we start, and by the time we end, I'm blown away by the things that he's shown me. Hours with the Lord. Hours and hours and hours spent overcoming wrong beliefs, wrong mindsets, things that my past had programmed into me about who I was, that if I held on to that, were going to keep me from doing the very thing that I was put on the planet to do. And, you know, the, the, the word of God is full of people. It's full of people who overcame, but it's, all full, it's also full of people who didn't. It's full of people who, because of their mindsets, because of what they believed about themselves or about God or about what was possible, how they didn't get the breakthrough. I mean, Saul, King Saul, Right? It's a tragic story. Right? I mean, you go back to the Israelites. I mean, for 40 years, you know, they, they wandered around and, and never made it, never saw the destiny that God had for them. And so the Apostle Paul is, a, I mean, especially in Philippians 3, it's a powerful picture of him overcoming his past. Of him, it doesn't say exactly how he did it, except to to say 
that his determined purpose was to know him. His determined purpose was to experience Jesus. It says here that he may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And he began to just, he wanted to experience the crucifixion, experience the resurrection, focusing on the future. There was a a transformation that happened in him in the way that he thought about himself so that he could embrace who God had called him to be. I mean, the only, your agreement with God is what matters. I used to hear one of my my spiritual dad would say, no one but you can stop you. No one but you. Now, I get it. it. It may seem like your past is what's stopping you. It may seem like the things that you've been through is stopping you. And But what it really means is that nothing but what you believe, let me say this, about you will stop you. And so what you, how you frame experiences is really, really important. You know, I'm at a place where, you know, I don't feel like I'm spending a ton of time on my past. It comes up, you know, it comes up here and now because... You know, something else will bring something up. You did. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, it will. I don't feel like I'm spending a ton of time on it, though. But guess what? I'm still living life. I'm experiencing things all the time. I still live in a fallen world. <laughs> right? And so that means that I'm constantly getting the opportunity to make things mean things. I, get, I'm, I have the opportunity to judge things all the time. To constantly have a lens on things. To say, what is this going to mean? Da, da, da. And constantly constantly I have to become I, I have to become aware of that and recognize that there is an owl mind and a wow mind <laughs> there is a mind that is going to focus on Jesus and focus on things that are true and lovely and pure and of good report and on the future and forget those things that lie behind and I get to choose I get to choose what I'm going to focus on Am I going to focus on knowing him? Am I going to focus on what he's saying about me? Am I going to focus on what he believes about me? Maybe when there's no fruit in it at all yet, but he's still speaking it to me. Am I going to focus on what he's saying about this year, about the things that he is calling me to stretch out and do, even though I don't feel confident to do? What am I doing? Who am I following? What voice am I listening to? How am I spending my time? What, when I get up, what am I, what am I, what am I focused on? Am I focused on the problems? Am I focused on the promise? What, what am I, what am I going to do? We have one, one, one life. One chance. And I mean, here's the thing. You know, when I wrote my book, it's called The Path, and it's just, it's about a journey to God, a journey with God to live your purpose. And some of the statistics are really, not encouraging, right? 5% of people on the planet know their purpose. 2% of people actually fulfill it. And I am on a mission. That is, that, is, that is not how it should be in the body of Christ. Especially in this day and age where we have so many programs and so much preaching, so much revelation, so much YouTube, so much. We have so, I mean, 
you know, I, I, but I'll share a vision, part of a vision that I had with the Lord that's specifically for the church. There's a portion of it that's for the world as well, but there was a specific part for the church. And I saw myself looking at a, a sheep pen and the sheep pen represented the church and it was a fence and the sheep were all in the fence and the grass in the sheep pen, and it was, it was a large piece of land, large piece of land, had all been eaten. So the grass was short and it was, you know, looked kind of well, like, like you'd mowed it. And the, the sheep were fat. They were well-fed, um, well-groomed even. They had, you know, had, had their wool or whatever had been sheared. So they were, they were, they were nice-looking pretty sheep. And there were shepherds. The shepherds were fat too. Well-fed. Everybody was well-fed is the point. I'm saying fat, but a better way to say it would be well-fed. They were well-fed, right? And I saw myself going along the fence and cutting the fence. And on the side of the other side of the fence was the wheat field. Because it was time for the fat and sheep to get out of the sheep pen and get into the harvest. Because the thing is, you're never going to feel qualified. Because you aren't qualified apart from him. What qualifies you, if there is anything that qualifies you, Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. (laughs) It's dependency. It's knowing him and following him. Step by 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 step. It's just a complete dependency. It's 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 a it's a loss of yourself. It's a it's a abiding in the vine. It's a union with him. And it's 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 that's the unbecoming, that's the undoing of your past and of the things that are hindering you. And so I'm breaking off this idea that you're waiting on something. I mean, if you're waiting on anything, you're waiting on a next step. And if you're waiting on a next step, then actually you're just waiting to sit down and have a conversation with Jesus and with the Father, with Holy Spirit. He is not a God that withholds. I have been having conversations with God now for 17 years. And he's able to say, I'm not going to tell you that yet. If he's not going to tell you something yet. You can have the kind of relationship with him that you have with any other human being on the planet. He is a real person. He is approachable. He is of course, as glorious as you indescribable as you can describe, but he is also as normal as you can describe. He is as down to earth as you can describe. 
He is able to get down to your level, to your paradigm, speak your language, talk to you in a way that you can get it, and calm your fears and answer your question and help you get out of confusion. And I'm just the kind of person that has to have that. I'm just that much of an idiot. I'm just that much of a, in need of a savior, in need of a deliverer, in need of someone to spell it out like I'm in preschool. And I don't apologize for that. That's who I am. That's who he made me to be. And that's what I need. If you want me to follow you, you're going to have to be clear. If you want me to sit here and wait, you're going to have to be clear. You know I'm going to run 100 yards ahead of you if you don't. So you better be telling me what you want. I'm happy to do it, but you have to be clear. I want to obey you with all of my heart. I want to do what you want me to do. I know I'm messed up, but if you don't change it, it's not changing. And so here we sit. And he loves that about me. He's not trying to change that about me. He's not trying to force me into some mold to have a relationship with me. I'm able to be just as screwed up as I am, just as honest as I can be, just as confused as I happen to be most of the time, and forget half of the things he says. So he's got to say it four more times again. Um, Reminds me, I'll write it down. You know, I mean, I am lost without him. And it's okay. It is okay. But it doesn't mean I can't make progress. It doesn't mean that I have to be stuck. It doesn't mean that I am actually lost. It means I just don't know what I'm doing unless he shows me. I'm with the one that's not lost. I'm with the one that's got the big picture. I'm with the one that has it all figured out from end to beginning and everything in between, who is not confused ever, not for a moment, and who is working it all out for good. And you know what? Sometimes he'll tell you, take a nap. Sometimes he'll tell you, go buy some flowers. Sometimes he'll tell you, give all your money away. Sometimes he'll tell you, write a book. Sometimes he'll tell you to do crazy things that you just didn't even think you could do. He's going to tell you all kinds of things. But it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. Wherever you are on the continuum, if you're on the, if you're on the road to Damascus, well, you know what? You're, just gonna get, you're about to be blinded by the light. And if you're still confused about who you are, it's time to get established in your identity. It's time, if, if you're stuck because of something in your past, it's time to do what it takes to get over it. And I have incredible tools to help you in this ministry. I, have incre- I think they're the best on the planet. No one, I believe, on the planet has better tools to help you get freedom from your past. And I'll tell you now, if I didn't have those tools, I'd have been knocked out at least 25 times by now. At least. I would no longer be in ministry. I would no longer be following the call of God in my life if I did not apply the things that I'm telling you. But the point is, 
We're no different than the Apostle Paul. We may have a different manifestation of what it looks like in our lives. But every one of us was, as he so eloquently says in Galatians, I'll go back there. Every one of us, it says this in verse 15, we're called by his grace and in love, chosen from birth to be his. And God's grace is wanting to unveil his son and you so that you would fill in the blank. There's something, a fill in the blank for you to do. Everything else is just warm up. It's just warm up. It's warm up for the game. And it's, you know, you need to warm up. It's okay to warm up. But at some point, you got to get in the game. You know? And for those of you that are afraid of making a mistake, the kingdom is a really big place. It's like a playground. It's not like a playpen. It's not a sheep pen. <laughs> it's a playground. You know, I love the way the Apostle Paul just had like this, you know, I mean, it was pretty pretty vague, non-Jewish people. I mean, non-Jewish people, that's pretty big. So he was just going wherever, right? Go, 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 until the Holy Spirit was like, no, don't go to Asia, right? I mean, I mean you, you have, it's a playground. You, you have permission. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? I'm not saying run off without him. I'm saying talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. These things are in my heart. I have, I have these desires, Jesus. I have big dreams. I have things in my heart that seem impossible. I would love to do X, Y, and Z. Is this... Is, ah! What do we do? I said it out loud. That's how it should feel. It should, it should feel scary. It should feel... It should feel too expensive. It should feel... Like you're crazy, a little. I think one of the best things, the best yeses I think you can give God, I gave it to him a long time ago. It's a wonderful yes. I said, you know, God, you can use my life to prove what kind of daddy you are. You can use my life so people can see what you're really like. I think he gets so excited about that. There's so many misconceptions about who God is. And, you know, I just... I feel his heart for his kids' dreams. It's like any parent, you know? I was watching The Voice the other day. That show just gets me pumped up. Because it's just people that have a dream, you know? 
And I remember I stopped it right in the middle of it. And I ran into my girls. I said, okay, what's your dream? What's your dream? What do you, what do you want to do? You know, I just, just dreams are what make life worth living. Our capacity is so huge. It's God. Our potential is so incredible. I mean, Martin Luther King had a dream. It was a dream. You know? Heidi Baker sent me to the worst place. You are a solution for something. You have a dream. You're not small. You're not small. You're, 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 you're not... Your life matters. You can do something bigger than you thought possible. Envision is like a a road it's like a with guardrails it's it's it keeps you headed in the right direction right i mean it's it's a powerful thing without without dreams without vision we just life is ugh. it's just mediocre it's mundane it's monotonous you're created in god's image you're creative you're You're a dreamer by nature. So it's time. I mean, Chris had a word at the beginning that kind of ties into all this. It was just saying it's time to dream bigger. It's not impossible, he was saying. It's time to dream bigger. It's time to set the dreamer inside of you free. And so, just for those that are listening tonight, there's two things, really. That past has got to get put in the past. And it's a yes to the dreams. It's a yes. It's a yes. It's a yes. It's a yes. Some of the people are still looking for their 15th confirmation. Right? It was a yes on the first one. It's a yes. It's a yes. It's a yes. And he's got this. He's got this. You know, he's got this. So therefore, you've got this. So. Awesome. Well, Father, I just, um, I don't know, I just blow. It's just like a. One of those little things you blow on a fire. <laughs> you know, those little puffer things. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> but uh, they, what, a bellow? All right, well, I like a puffer thing. It sounds, sounds cooler. The bellow, the puffer thing. I just see my, it's just, I just am pumping that thing up. Just blowing, 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 blowing on the embers, on the embers of dreams, on the embers of calls and visions and purposes, God. I'm blowing, 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 I'm blowing. Passion. 
passion. It's just like fanning the flame. And I'm stirring it up. I'm stirring it up. I'm stirring up the prophecies. Stirring it up. I'm stirring up the purposes. I'm stirring it up tonight. Who? In Jesus' name. And I'm igniting. I'm igniting a an unquenchable, an unquenchable move of God. This is a this is a wildfire. This is this can't be contained. This can't be contained. It's 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 not in your control. You're out of control. I call you out of control in Jesus' name. I call you out of the driver's seat in Jesus' name. There's a dream that's driving you. <laughs> there is a dream. There is a vision, there is a purpose, there is a prophecy that is driving you. (laughs) And you're out of control. You can't be tamed. You can't be extinguished. You can't be put out. You are a force to be reckoned with. And you're spreading, it's spreading, it's spreading, it's spreading. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing. There's momentum. There's momentum behind your dream, behind your vision. There's momentum behind your purpose. Whew. You know, and... It might have it might look like okay it started small. <laughs> there wasn't a wildfire that didn't start the same way. Not a single movement, not a single dream, not a single thing of significance began any other way. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know, if it, you need to spend as much time looking at your purpose as you do your past, that's for sure. <laughs> don't make sure, don't get stuck. Don't get stuck looking back. And is, you know, here's the thing. For people that have taken steps and it maybe it looks like it hasn't worked out, well, join the Purpose Club. Whoever said that it's, it's a, that, that you just had a misconception about the way it works. No, it's a, it's a jagged road. It's a, it's a windy road. It's a, it's a, it's a road that, You can't follow except to follow him. You know what? Sometimes it looks like a breakdown. Sometimes it looks like a detour. Sometimes it looks like a roadblock. 
There's not anyone who's ever accomplished anything of significance that has gone a different path. Don't be deceived. You're an overcomer for a reason. You wouldn't be called an overcomer if you didn't need to overcome. (laughs) You overcome the lack. You overcome the million and one trials that come your way. You're a problem solver by nature. You're a faith mountain mover by nature. Roadblocks are illusions. Detours have a purpose. Breakdowns lead to upgrades. It's all in how you view it. It's all in how you view it. So keep going. Wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you are, overcome. Speak to the mountain. Stand in faith. Follow the leader. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hmm? Oh, I just, I just thank you that money's coming. Money's coming. I, I just speak that over you guys, just that money's coming. Provision is coming. Provision is coming. Just see it. Just see it. Just rejoice now. Rejoice now. This is, this is, a, this is not a problem. This is not a problem. Whoo! It's not a problem. <laughs> Laugh. Laugh at lack. Lack is a liar. <laughs> it's just such a liar. It tries to, it tries to intimidate you. It's just, it's just a liar. You are rich. Jesus was made poor that through his poverty you might be. You're as rich as you are righteous. Amen. It's true. You're as rich as you are healed. You are, you are well supplied. You are abundantly supplied. But my bank account, Shaliza, doesn't look that way. What is looking like something to have to do with anything? Amen? But I need it. Yes, you do. And when you see that you have it, you will have it. That's why you laugh. Because it's an illusion. So, Father, I thank you that it's, it's coming as we laugh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You might have to rewind that last statement about 20 times. <laughs> that last little bit. But it's there. It's there. Awesome. So, Father, do you have anything else for tonight before we wrap? I just uh, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you've said. I thank you for what you've spoken. But not even just what I've spoken, but I thank you for what you've spoken while I've spoken. And I thank you you're going to continue to talk. Thank you that you're not done. And Lord, I just call people into the place of hearing you clearly. 
Um, where there's been confusion, I just speak clarity, Father, and confirmation. And uh, I just thank you that you're, you're going to finish what you started tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, I'll tell the folks on the podcast, we're going to take up an offering here locally, but you know, you can always go and support the podcast at Shalise.com. There's a give area on the website. Uh, We keep our Sundays free and uh, the way we do this is because of generous donations from you and others. So if you've been blessed, sow a seed, sow a seed. God bless you.